What's up? This is Jonathan Smith, your host here at Shooting the Schmidt. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode. We're live on YouTube as well. That's starting today, actually. This is the first episode we're going to put on YouTube. So once again, thank you for tuning in, whether that's YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcast, wherever you're listening from. Got an absolutely loaded show for you today. We're talking Kyrie to the Mavs, and then we're going to close it out. That's really, honestly, all we're talking about today. And then on Thursday, I'm going to come back, and we're going to do a huge thing on the Super Bowl. Cannot wait to do it. Cannot wait to get into it. Here we go. So the Dallas Mavericks traded for Kyrie Irving, sending over Dorian Finney-Smith, a 2029 first-round pick, Spencer Dinwiddie, 2029 second-round pick, and a 2027 second-round pick, which, look, if you're good, none of those picks matter, and you're giving up you know, Dorian Finney-Smith, who's a pretty good ro- rotation player, and they got Spencer Dinwiddie, who's another solid rotation player, right? And all in all, I, I like this move for the Mavs, right? Obviously, you're a little bit skeptical about you know how much Kyrie is going to play, He's a liability off the court, um, but look, he's a legit number. It's just it's a real asset, okay? Dallas, they don't have that right now. Um, you know, they had it with Jalen Brunson to to a certain extent. But let's be honest, Jalen Brunson is not Kyrie Irving. This is the thing that I've heard people talk about a whole bunch about how you know they could have had Jalen Brunson for a lot cheaper and all that other kind of stuff, and which is like very true, right? Like they could have. But at the end of the day, Kyrie Irving is just on another level than Jalen Brunson and Spencer Dinwiddie, who can kind of do that for you. Ultimately, I I like this move for the Mavs, just from a purely basketball standpoint. We'll get to all the -the off-the-court stuff a little bit later. And the other thing that I really like about this is we've seen Kyrie Irving play off the ball before. We saw him do that, uh, obviously, with LeBron James when he was in Cleveland. The only question is, will he do that for Luka? I think that he will. It just sounds like he's got a lot of respect for Luka. All the players have a lot of respect for Luka because he's the best. I need a bucket guy in the NBA. He can score better than anyone in the league right now, especially with Kevin Durant hurt. So we'll see if Kyrie Irving is willing to do that. I think he will be, especially since he is looking for that contract extension or for a new four-year max at the end of the season. So I think he's going to be pretty willing to do just about everything. So we know that he can do it on the court. The question is, off the court, how are things going to go? Once again, from a purely simple basketball standpoint, I like this move for the Mavericks. But obviously, it gets dicey with with Kyrie off the floor. Uh, and here's the good news, though. His contract ends at the end of the year, Okay, which means Kyrie should be focused. It means he should show up. It means he should play hard. It means he should be a good teammate. He should be willing to do different things. He should be willing to mesh with his teammates and all those really important things. But he's Kyrie Irving. Who knows if he's going to do those things or not, right? But I would like to think that he's fully invested in basketball right now, that he has people in his corner who are telling him, hey, Kyrie, chill with all of your off-the-court stuff. Just focus on hoops so you can get paid. Because ultimately, that's one thing that Kyrie has in common with every other NBA player. He wants to get paid a lot of money, which makes sense, especially for his talents and how talented he is. But here's the thing. What if things go sideways? This is where I'm nervous for Dallas. Like, what if you paid all this stuff, you gave away these draft picks, you gave away Dorian Finney-Smith, you gave away Spencer Dinwiddie, 
just for Kyrie to leave and go to LA in the offseason or something along those lines. Like that is not out of the question. Okay? And then all of a sudden you're behind schedule, right? Like you lose a couple good rotation players. Now you have to go regain those and you have to go out of star. I know people are talking about cap space and stuff, but like this isn't the NFL. You can pay however much money you want for stars. Ultimately, it just kind of depends on who wants to come and play for you and who doesn't. So all the cap space stuff, ignore that. It's overrated. Who cares about cap space? The Warriors don't, okay? And that's why they've been really, really good for several years now. So there's some other, obviously, like, wary full things with this. Like, what if things with Kyrie go really well and they play in the Western Conference Finals and then the next thing you know, you have to offer Kyrie this four-year max contract. And the next thing you know, you're stuck with Kyrie Irving for four years. Nobody wants that. I can tell you that right now. The best-case scenario would be to offer him the two-year extension, which I believe their ability to offer them that ends at the end of this year, right? So, like, they've got post-All-Star break to kind of figure things out. You know, their first game together is tomorrow night. Um, so, yeah, like, we'll, we'll see how it goes. Um, cause obviously two years with Kyrie sounds way better than four, even though I guess that, you know, if he does sign the four year max, you can just like upset him really quickly. And then he'll be like, Hey, get me out of Dallas. Let me go somewhere else. And then that'll happen because that's just how, how the NBA works. So yeah, we'll, once again, we'll, we'll kind of see how all this works out. The West is wide open. That's why Dallas has kind of made the push for this. I think that uh, Curry getting injured, you know, being out for a month with all the torn ligaments in his foot or lower cat or wherever it's at. I think that's ultimately what pushed Dallas to do this. Now they feel like they have a real legit shot. Uh, obviously, Denver is really good. Um, that's really the only team in the West that I think people are legitimately scared of. Like, there's some other, you know, good teams out there, but ultimately, it feels like it's Denver and everybody else. This is Dallas's attempt for it to be Dallas and Denver. So. We'll see how that goes. Now, obviously, we have to look at this from the other side of the spectrum. What about the Nets? The Nets love KD. Okay, He hasn't requested a trade. Nothing outrageous has really happened with him yet. Uh, he's been really quiet through the whole thing. Um, the roster isn't bad. Okay, like This team has a little bit more talent than I think people are realizing. Right, so let's just let's look at some of these role players. Seth Curry, that's a good role player. Uh, Nick Claxton, that's a guy who could potentially win Defensive Player of the Year. Joe Harris, that's a guy who can shoot the ball. Royce O'Neal, uh, a, a three and D guy. Patty Mills, a guy who can come off the bench and score. Denny Dorian Finney-Smith now. Spencer Dinwiddie now. Like there are good players on this roster around Kevin Durant, which is very encouraging if you're a Nets fan. You know they're still lacking size. And some things like that, but with Claxton back there, like you know, they're able to hold up, especially just with how dynamic he is on the defensive end. Um, here's the thing, though. This is what I thought the other night. Ben Simmons has to emerge in order for them to kind of remove themselves into that top three seed in the East kind of team. Is that going to happen? I highly, highly doubt it. But Cam Thomas, back-to-back forty-point games. A kid who can score the basketball. Now, look, if you're Kevin Durant, you aren't exactly excited about, you know, the play of a, you know, 21 year old dictating how far you go in the playoffs and whether or not you're a one, two, or three seed, or a four seed, or five seed, or whatever, right? Like, there's a lot of uncertainty there. But that's a guy who can score. And if he can continue to score with Kevin Durant off the floor, this team can be really good. 
right? Good enough to win an NBA championship? No. There's just too many good teams in the East. They aren't better than Milwaukee. They aren't better than Philadelphia, even if Cam Thomas is an absolute beast, right? Which right now, he's an absolute bucket, right? We'll see if that continues. Maybe he's just hot, you know, as teams get film on him. It's just like young quarterbacks in the NFL. You get film on them, you adjust, and then you kind of see what happens from there. It's going to be the same thing here with Cam Thomas. Um, But look, if he continues to score the basketball at a high level, this next team can be really, really good. And here's the interesting thing for the Nets now. The interesting thing is going to be the summer. What is Kevin Durant going to want to do? There's no Kyrie Irving. He doesn't want to play with Ben Simmons. I know that because nobody wants to play with Ben Simmons. And sure, Cam Thomas, really good player, but there's holes all in this roster, especially in the front court. So here's the thing, though. If I was Kevin Durant, I would wait till the summer because there are good players on this roster. Maybe you strike gold. Maybe a couple teams get hurt. You go on a run to the finals. You can you know, pull out the eraser a little bit on the Kevin Durant can't lead his own team theory. Uh, well, not a theory, fact, because he hasn't done it yet. So, yeah, it'll be really interesting just to kind of see what the Nets look like going forward. But, yeah, if Cam Thomas continues to play at a high level, then there's a lot of good that can come out of this for Kevin Durant in terms of not only winning games, but winning playoff games. So it'll be interesting to see. And finally, we're going to we're gonna wrap it up here talking about a little bit of LeBron James. Obviously, he's disappointed. He tweeted out the whole maybe it's me thing, maybe you know I'm why Kyrie didn't want to come here, all that kind of stuff. Um, it is. <laughs> I'll say it simple as that. And one of the things that people love to say about LeBron James, that is true is that he makes players around him better. But there's a little, I don't want to call it an asterisk, but there's like a little like dash by that. He makes role players better. He doesn't make stars better. Okay, that that's the thing, you know, Chris Bosh's quote on how LeBron James is one of the hardest players he's ever played with and how he had to completely alter his game in order to be able to play with him. Like, that's not fun. You know, like if you're a star, especially a guy like Kyrie who's been through this before, like ultimately like Kyrie wants the ball in his hands. Okay, I'm very interested to see kind of how they balance that out with Luka in Dallas, but he knows that if he goes to L.A. and he plays with LeBron James, then he's not going to have the ball in his hands, right? Now, I'm sure part of this, too, is you know the Lakers, they didn't want to trade away their picks, so that's what people said. The Nets don't want Russell Westbrook because if they get Russell Westbrook, then Kevin Durant's going to be upset, and ultimately in Brooklyn, it's all about Kevin Durant. Simple as that. So there's some other things involved besides Kyrie potentially not wanting to play with LeBron James. But I do think that that's part of this, right? You know, you have the quote from the Nets owner saying that they don't want to trade Kyrie to L.A. because they don't like the Lakers, which I think is hilarious. I love it. I love that little petty stuff. I feel like we don't get that as much in the NBA anymore. But really why I want to talk about LeBron James outside of the trade, obviously he's upset. Fair enough. But, like, you're the one who wanted Russell Westbrook. You're the one who wanted to trade away all the young guys to go get Anthony Davis, depleting your team of trade assets. Like, I don't really know. What else you're expecting, right? Simple as that. But finally here, the reason why I want to talk about LeBron James, because tonight he you know, is 36 points away from passing Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. And I just want to go ahead and plant my flag right now on how even if LeBron James does this, this does not make him the best player ever or anything like that. He still sits at number two. He's still behind you know, the actual GOAT, Michael Jordan, right? No matter what you do. And here's the thing. I've got my stuff. If you haven't turned off the pod yet or stopped the video when I said that, thank you for hearing me out. I really appreciate it. So, like I said, LeBron, 36 points away 
from breaking the all-time scoring record. Um, he's played over 350 more games than Michael Jordan. Okay, 350 games. That's four seasons. Three, yeah, four seasons. Like I would hope that a guy as talented as LeBron James, in an era where the three-point line has been a much bigger deal, I would hope that he would become the all-time leading scorer, all things considered, with the three-point line and with the way that the game's played and how many games he has played, right? So, yeah, like, and ultimately, being the all-time scoring champ, as great of an accomplishment as that is, I'm not trying to take anything away from LeBron, like, as great as that is, it doesn't make up for the fact that he's 4-6 and six in the finals. It doesn't make up for the fact that he collapsed in the 2011 finals. He lost to the Spurs with Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosh. Obviously, he just talked about the Mavericks won in 2011. And ultimately, what I think separates Michael Jordan from LeBron James, right? Like, the great players consistently rise to the occasion. And LeBron James definitely has moments where he has risen to the occasion. I'm not trying to sit here and say that he never rises to the occasion, because if I said that, that would make me ignorant. He definitely has moments where he has. And look, he's, he looks really, really good right now, right? Like, he could potentially have moments in the playoffs where he rises to the occasion again. Like, that's more than possible. Like, it's more than feasible for that to happen, right? And here's the thing, though. He doesn't rise to it as consistently as Michael Jordan did. Michael Jordan always rose to the occasion on the biggest stage. And that is ultimately what separates Michael Jordan from LeBron James for me. Look, it's the difference between one and two. It's not a lot. You might disagree. That's fine if you do. We can talk about it some other time. But the ability to rise to the occasion is the difference between 4-6 and six and 6-0 six and oh in the NBA Finals. Simple as that. So that's going to do it here at Shooting the Schmidt. Thank you so much for listening. If you watched on YouTube, thank you. I appreciate it. Make sure you like, subscribe, follow, all those different things. Uh, tell your friends about this. If you're like, hey, I heard this idiot who said Michael Jordan is better than LeBron James. Here, here's the link. You should listen to it. Um, go, go do that for me, please. Um, yeah, so once again, this has been Jonathan Smith with Shooting the Schmidt. I'll be back again on Thursday to give you a whole entire thing on the Super Bowl. Cannot wait. It's going to be a great game. Chiefs, Eagles, going to be awesome. So once again, I will talk to you guys on Thursday.